next Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, we will start an eight-weekend service schedule with Brother Randy Hollis, lasting seven weeks and eight Sundays. It will conclude on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, We are believing that 100 people will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the United Pentecostal Church, we're expecting 10,000 people in North America to receive the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday, June 4th. And I believe that God uh, wants that to happen. And I believe that with all my heart. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, it will not come just by pushing some kind of a button. Uh, We live in such a, a changing world where information is is uh, being shared with us on so many different uh, or in so many different areas and avenues and and people are constantly changing i i just i'll tell you what i'm just amazed you know i i bought a computer or maybe i should say the church bought a computer a laptop and and i have uh, been trying to get acquainted with this and I'm discovering things on this all the time Brother Randy Brother Randy has offered his assistance Brother Randy Kavish works over at uh, uh, Radio Shack and also he instructs through MATC and he's going to be one of the instructors for Pastor Grant if Pastor Grant's health will hold out But I stayed up a couple of nights. Someone told me that uh, you can get hooked on this thing. And I I was sick and couldn't sleep, so I got up and I worked about 3 o'clock. I lost several things on the computer and couldn't find it. And then uh, this weekend I discovered that I had a calculator and a clock on there, and I didn't didn't know how to set the clock. And, uh, and I read and read, and I tried and I tried and I tried, and finally I lost the clock couldn't find it so I explored and explored and explored and you know the whole problem with this is that you can you can end up losing a lot more things than a clock so finally I found the clock and brother Manley had talked with me no you don't set the clock where the clock is and I don't remember what he said but I got to explore in a different avenue and finally found under the calendar a clock setting. So I set the clock there, and whenever I found the clock, uh, I found out the clock was set at the correct time. Now, <clears throat> tried to bring the clock back and put it back where it was, and I lost it again. <clears throat> it's dropped it someplace, I'm not for sure. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> to make a long story longer, Brother John Commander installed some games on this, <clears throat> and he installed a golf game. And it's the most unique thing that I've ever seen in my life. I played uh, several holes of golf in the last few days. In all this cold weather, I just get under the heat lamp and pretend I'm out in the sun. And, uh, you know, you can select the color of your shirt and uh, all this. So I play nine holes, and then I'd uh, get myself a, a diet cold drink you know and freshen up a little bit by changing my shirt and 
few things. <coughs> and I'd play another, another game of golf. Now, I tell you, it's the most fascinating thing. It's so real. It's so lifelike. It's it's not like a lot of the the games that you see on these Nintendo things, you know, where, I mean, it's just when the guy's taking a swing, you can see the these clothes bending or wrinkling. And, you know, it's it's lifelike. You can... And just for the fun of it, see, I, 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 when I got down on the ninth hole, I was doing so bad. I, I rotated 180 degrees and found the clubhouse, and I picked up my number two driver, and I smashed the ball into the clubhouse. <laughs> I said, I'm going to see what happens. You could hear it go, bloop, 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 and then it fell off the roof. And then there's this little voice that came on and said, your ball is out of bounds. You'll have to take a penalty on this stroke. <clears throat> then last night I was showing Sister Grant how it worked, and I got a little aggravated. And you know what I did? I just turned about 90 degrees, and there was a lake out there, and I just smashed the ball in the lake, exited my golf game. <laughs> now, Someone installed on Sister Grant's computer a panic button. And uh, I really don't know what it does. I don't think it does anything. But it sure makes you feel good to be able to take some very, uh, what should I say, irrational steps without really tearing up anything but just a few things in your own mind. <laughs> because I'm sure if I had been in a real-life setting... Let's say out at Yahara Golf Course, and I turn around and smash the ball in the clubhouse. Uh, <clears throat> it would not have been good, and I would say that <clears throat> some recognition would have come my way as <laughs> as a result of this. But you know, I've, I've been you see, I, I I try to figure things out. You know, I can't understand how that you can how they can take and 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 you can rotate a player any place on this golf game. In any degree, and, and then you hit the ball like it's only six feet, and it relocates, and it shows from that perspective. Now, I, it seemed to me to, for them to, to, to literally be able to, to photograph every square inch of this thing, 360 degrees of this, uh, I don't know how they did that, but nevertheless, people smarter than me <clears throat> wanted to make a few bucks off of somebody as dumb as me. <laughs> I figured out how to do it. <clears throat> now I said all that to say this, that, you know, uh, <clears throat> it is amazing when you change locations and change your perspective how uh, differently things appear. Brother Bridges gave one of the most astounding stories when he talked about a husband and wife who were having a few difficulties, but they had kind of drawn up a little agreement in their own minds that things were going to be better. So the wife was in the kitchen looking out in the backyard, and she saw the pool out there, and it was just a hot day. Uh, the gentleman was looking out across the meadows, and he saw the golf course. And he saw the people playing, and he was wanting to go. So his wife said, i tell you what let's do. Let's just uh, get dressed and let's go outside for a while. So uh, 
they agreed, well, he using a different bath and different bedroom because of their adverse situation. He got dressed, and he dressed according to what he saw out the front window. So he came out in, uh, you know, a, a shirt, a typical goth-type shirt with plaid pants and and uh, sneakers, and he's ready to, you know, just go out and relax. She came out with... Uh, swimsuit on because to her when she looked out the back window she was thinking about going swimming he was thinking about playing golf now the two were certainly not compatible from the standpoint of uh, the activities of the day simply because that they were looking through different windows and they saw life from a different point of view and as you have probably known, I, I've just been really down, sick, for a month or a month and a half. And today I've struggled. I mean, I really have struggled today. It's been a bad day. I told Sister Graham I'm going to come to church and preach tonight if it hair lips the devil. <clears throat> you know, I, I just, I just, I've just, I, I've just got some things that I want to talk about, and I don't really think I said the devil. I think I said somebody else. I sure did, you know, but I won't tell you who I said, okay? Now you're wondering, aren't you? (laughs) You just have to wonder. That's the fun of having the mic and you not having one. But uh, nevertheless, but nevertheless, uh, uh, I've I've been trying to search my soul, take it, you know, take advantage of some what I call downtime, when you just, you know, you want to read your Bible, and and one thing about the computer, you know, I do have a quick verse on there, and and several other uh, quick references, and you can look up things quickly. I, I just, I, I don't think I've ever felt in God what I'm feeling right now. Seeing so many hearts turn to the Lord. Then after, you know, Brother Wolfram was here, and by the way, we just, we were able to take on Brother Wolfram. We took him on for an extra $30 per month. Our offering this morning, we were able to give him $750 uh, plus some food money. Sister Grant and I were taking him out, and I just didn't feel like it. Of course, they were going back to Fort Atkinson and then down to Monroe for tonight. We were able to take on Brother Richie who was with us last Sunday night for an additional $15. I think we gave Brother Richie a $650 check. You know, these missionaries coming are just just amazed that, that you folks are so liberal with your giving. Now, I believe that many of you are practicing Christian stewardship in a way that is certainly complementary to the cause that you represent. I want to be a channel. I want to be used of God. And uh, lately I've cried and prayed in the presence of God. I I just, I feel that it is decision time. Uh, Brother Keith Manley uh, has been working on a plan. I've been helping him somewhat. And we want to be able, when we have revival this May and June, to, to keep more of these people to keep up with them, to make sure that they have some 
a conscientious person caring and loving them. But <clears throat> I, I think that we're, what we're going to do, we're going to focus in a little closer on the real purpose for a purpose of life, maybe I should say. I was going to say the purpose of our existence, but uh, the real purpose of life. And we're going to have to be able to look at this from God's point of view. It's one of the most difficult things. So for this reason I choose to read from Joshua 24. Um, and you may stand at the reading of the scripture, verse 13 through 15. This is a passage of scripture, just kind of a starting point for me. Nothing real heavy in this, just very important. Sometimes the importance makes it heavy, but for the most part, something we've heard so many times, and so we've used it kind of in a in, in environment uh, to provoke people to think properly, but not necessarily place a lot of, uh, of guilt upon them. Joshua 24, 13, Joshua is giving his last charge to Israel before his death. Now, I said I've been sick. I'm not expecting to die anytime soon. So this is not my last charge to Calvary Gospel Church. Now, if it turns out to be that way, it just is. But nevertheless, it's not planned. <laughs> Joshua twenty four thirteen. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you build not, and ye dwell in them, and of vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. Now doesn't this sound like the blessings of God upon a nation? Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, pardon me, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. And you may be seated. I want to speak on the subject. Decisions, decisions, decisions. <clears throat> I <clears throat> was particularly am amazed when Brother Showalter uh, came to our church and presented his burden for Russia. And he said, you know, the Russians have told us that they can spot an American walking down the street, not by the way he dresses as much as just the way he carries himself. There's something about it. He said the reason why that the Russians explain that they can spot an American is that the liberty that we have allows us to make so many decisions. In other words, we are granted a multiple choice. And, you know, when I was in school, I liked the multiple choice questions. I just love those. At least I can answer all the questions. Maybe not correctly, but at least I can answer. <clears throat> and the multiple choice thing seems to be so closely related to the way life really stacks up. 
and, and especially in a free society like ours, because we have so many options. And so Brother Showalter said, you know, the thing that the, the communists did for the Russian people was that it, it took away the power to choose. And those people coming to America will sit sometimes in a restaurant and they can't make up their mind what they want to eat. Brother David Fuller shared a story. We had a group of the Russian people traveling here in the States and he took them to Western Sizzler where they have this salad bar that's about as long as this auditorium. And so Brother Brother Fuller just said, well, I'll take the, the buffet, the salad buffet. So did his wife. And, and the Russians, they, they looked at Brother Fuller and they said, you mind if we go up and look? Well, Brother Fuller said, you could see it all from where we were, but they got up and they just walked back and forth and back and forth. They came back and they said, well, we can't eat all that food. So you don't have to eat it all. You know? Just pick out a few items you want. You know what they said? That seems to be too difficult. In which couldn't somebody just fix us a plate and bring it and say this is what you're supposed to eat? I said, that's not what we do in America. He said, well, where did you get all this food? You know, they want to know, where, where do you get all this food? And they went to the grocery stores window shopping. You know, just to, 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 to walk up and down the aisles to see all this food. And we are told what we are to eat pretty much on a daily basis how much we can spend, how much we cannot spend. And so as a result, some of those people <clears throat> have developed a, a very indecisive uh, pattern for living. They just, they just can't make up their mind. They just can't choose. But Brother Showalter said that his interpreter said, I can spot an American walking down the streets just simply by the air of confidence that they emit it's, it's like they're in charge. They, they know what they're doing. They know where they're going. He said, it seems like when our people walk down the street, there's always a question mark as to, you know, what they're doing because they're so accustomed to being told. Now, the thing that is quite difficult to, to, to pastor people is that that sometimes people, when they give their heart to God, because they are very, very sensitive to the Spirit, and should be, is that they, they can become a little indecisive simply because they, they want to do what's right, but they don't want to take the initiative to find out by reading Scripture and by praying to determine what is right. So consequently, people will lean on pastors when our church was small, I spent a lot more time, personal time, with new people coming in. And I realized I could only spend a, you know, a given number of hours with a given number of people because you're only one person and that's it. Then I found out that after a while when you have to open your hand to let those people make their own mind up as to what they would like to do, then they become very discouraged because... They are accustomed to that close relationship that they have with the pastor. I determined that it was best for me just pretty much to change my philosophy relative to pastoring. If I wanted to 
the church to grow, that I'd have to change my philosophy. Now, it, it, it appears to me after I made a very careful study of the scripture that the, the proper thing for me to do is to furnish every man with enough information to make the right decision. And that's my basic responsibility to the congregation. Now, I, I understand that there are certain times in which pastors must make decisions for people. There are, there are certain things that pastors must be firm on. And when we look in the scripture, a pastor has a unique relationship with, with the, the people that he pastors at, uh, upon certain occasions. Let me just, let me put it like this. Uh, the Bible is full of, of, of types and, and shadows and, and, and such. And, and, and some of these deal with relationship in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, the, the Sabbath day was a type or a shadow of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, the relationship that that uh, man has with his God is depicted through various true life situations, such as uh, we are the bride, and he is the groom. And then there are other times in which we are not the bride. We, the, uh, we are uh, the fiancé. Sometimes we are the bride, and sometimes we are not. Now that may be confusing to some. Other times we have this relationship as a, as a warrior, and he is our commander. And you have to know what aspect of life that, that, that you are to use that particular relationship. At one time our youth department in our state was called Pentecostal Conquerors. And so they were trying to to depict the young person as a as a conqueror, someone, you know, with a, a shining armor and a sword and ready to fight. Well that that is great, however, there is a point in which you pick up on that particular relationship and there's a point in which you stop that. See, other times uh, we are all sheep and he is the shepherd. There are times in which the pastor is considered the shepherd or under-shepherd, maybe we should say, and the people are considered the sheep. There are times in which he is Lord and we're servants. There are times in which we're just all friends. And you have to know when uh, a particular relationship fits an aspect of life. And you could carry that too far, you know. You could all of a sudden, you know, you... Let's say that uh, we're all conquerors. But you see, the Lord brings us into some, some intimate situations, though, in which we, we sit in heavenly places with Him, and, and He ministers to us. And certainly we need to leave the armor off and the sword off, and we need to sit in heavenly places with Christ. I guess a typical example would be uh, a husband and wife relationship. All of a sudden, on the honeymoon, uh, the, the wife presents herself to her husband with with an armor on, a sword. Said, "You know, if you're looking for trouble. I'm just the one to give it to you." You know, 
So we know that as we relate to Christ, that there is one particular relationship, but as we relate to the world and to the enemy, there's another. So decisions, decisions, decisions. And the, the, the thing that, that I am amazed in, that so much of our life is directed by choices that we make. I see people entangled in financial affairs that, they just made some wrong decisions. Others are blessed beyond measure because they spend a little extra time to investigate, and they are blessed in, in a great way. Now, I made this statement several times in message, but I feel that it's fitting to make it again tonight. You see, every road in life is determined whether it be good or bad according to the end to which it leads. You know, I just... Uh, I've made mention of this, you know, I, I, I just I see our young people. I see some of them aspiring to, uh, to things that, that uh, you know, the, the end is not so good. We have uh, young people that are talented uh, in a particular area, and perhaps they would aspire to some vocation in life that would be very difficult for them to serve God. And... Uh, there are certain vocations in life that will alter your thinking. They will alter your thinking because that vocation forces you into that particular mold. And uh, it is amazing how certain vocations will do that. Uh, we just, I, I think this is the reason why that, that, that we need a directive from God on a day-to-day basis for our decision-making. Uh, there's two or three things that I I felt I wanted to do if I did not go in the ministry. I, I thought about going, becoming an attorney and uh, perhaps going into politics. And uh, I prayed about it. The Lord says, no, I want you to be a preacher. Well, <clears throat> there's certain things about the legal system that, that intrigue me. And there's certain things about politics. But, you know, there have been people with good intentions because this is a mind-altering uh, vocation so much that after a while you you fight for rights and freedom to the point that, that you, you know, that, 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 you, that you lay aside biblical principles. You know, there is such a thing as turning the other cheek and winning. Do you know that? <clears throat> there is, and, and, and you know, the thing about it, it's such a powerful message because it came from such a powerful source. That it, that was God himself that, that gave us that principle. And I see talented young men and ladies going into uh, sports. Sports in America now, it's no longer a game, it's big business. You know, and and I see the minds of young people altered. After a while, they'll give up their relationship with God to become millionaires, and some of them become instant millionaires. But uh, after a while, see, then the road is not so rosy. Uh, I talked with Brother Johnson, who will be our camp speaker, Brother Rex Johnson, this this summer, and he told me said. The, the Dallas Cowboys, they 
they worked out last year at the Texas Stadium, University of, of Texas. You know, like some of the professional teams, the Bears in Platteville, and I think the Saints are up in uh, Lacrosse or someplace. You know, they work out you know all over the state. Well, the Cowboys use tech, uses Texas Stadium, and he said, "I'm amazed at how many." When I went down there, I didn't go to watch them practice or anything. I was just driving by there, and I saw all this huge crowd, and I stopped. I said, what's going on? He said, well, the, the cowboys are coming out. And I saw all these girls dressed up. These girls were out there soliciting sex from these players when they came out. You know, I'll go spend the night with you. You know, and that, that got to be a big, big story with this age situation with some of the professional players. You know, you make a little mistake. I said, a little mistake. I don't consider that to be a little mistake. But you make a decision that, well, everybody else is living like this. Yes, it's all right. Then you make a final and fatal mistake knowing that, that your life will end as a result of, of something that, that, that you've done. And I personally heard Magic Johnson on the radio make an appeal to young people. Whatever you have to do, don't make the mistake I made. All the money and all the fame in the world is not worth it. And whatever you have to do, abstain. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself holy. But he made a bad decision. And certain decisions just demand certain results. That is, if you make wrong decisions, you will most likely get wrong results. Now, I would like to say this, and I do believe that a, a person who is conscientious and a person who is prayerful and a person who is trying their best to make a good decision, if they make a bad decision, that God will somehow cover for them. I know I made bad decisions. It turned out right because my motive was right. My intent was right. I made some wrong decisions that didn't turn out so good because my motive was wrong. And you know, another thing I've noticed in the scripture is that God always seems to cover for an individual who has the right attitude or the right motive. But he seems to never go to any extent to cover the sin of anyone whose intent or whose motive is wrong. David is a typical example. David was actually exposed in his adulterous situation pretty much before the whole nation. Why? Because his intent, his motive was wrong. It wasn't just a matter of, you know, all of a sudden seeing a woman and, and, and developing feelings for her and then over a period of time falling into adultery and an adulterous affair like we, uh, you know, we sometimes use those words. It wasn't that. It was, it was carefully plotted. It was planned. Here's how, here's how this is going to come about. Do you think that God uh, took any special uh, measures to cover his sin? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Of course, I do know some bad situations that you can get yourself in where you carefully plot and plan and you can repent. It's amazing what repentance will do. It, it, it doesn't always mean that God will allow it to turn out right for you. But sometimes it does. Therefore, Christianity is the only doctrine in the whole world that teaches from every bad thing can come something good. Can. Doesn't mean it will, but it can. 
God can take bad intentions and once a person repents. Bad motives and once a person repents. And it can turn out right. A young person can date someone that's not in the church and shouldn't be doing that. Uh, and, and they can know that they shouldn't do it. They can go ahead and marry that person. No, they shouldn't marry that person because the Bible says that they should not be unequally yoked together. Marry that person. That young person who carefully considered the consequences and and did not uh, alter his or her behavior, went ahead and married, they can, they can repent. And God perhaps can turn it around and save the person who was outside the church. But just because it happened that way for one person should never be used an example for, for irrational behavior on your part. Because it doesn't mean it will turn out good for you. See, there are some principles in life that, that if you want things to work out right, you, you have to make correct decisions. Now, I'm pretty much going slow and easy on this because I... Well, two or three reasons. One, I, I want you to I want you to listen to every word that I say tonight. Because I think this is so important. In Luke twelve, I've taught on this parable of the stewards. Uh, but Luke twelve verse to forty seven, there's a steward that that began to beat the servants. He became very frustrated. And, of course, you've heard me make this statement about the interpretation of Scripture. You know, if you want to interpret Scripture, you consider the context in which it's written, all of the Scriptures relative to it. And then, of course, if you're interpreting parables or stories, trying to, you look for the conclusion of it. And usually in the conclusion, there will be some statements made that pretty, pretty much summarizes, you know, <clears throat> Sometimes preachers will say in conclusion, and what they'll do, they'll give you a summary of what they were saying. Sometimes they don't always do that, and I don't think it's always necessary. But uh, sometimes they do that because they feel that maybe somebody misses the point. And I have done that, and still I've had people to miss the point. But nevertheless, <clears throat> uh, what happened is this man became frustrated. He began to beat the servants. Now, verse 47, the Bible says, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his stripe, his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. In other words, I, I think that, that uh, what I get out of this is that if you know the will of God and you're not walking in God's will, don't expect anything to come your way but discontent and misery and confusion. And I think I think a whole lot of people that's always involved in gossip rings. You know, I'm 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 sorry to say we got two or three people. That every time there's a gossip ring, they're right in the middle of it. You know, and I don't mind telling you that. I mean, they're really just always in the middle of it, and they, and they always say, "Well, what? I did, I, how, how come I always get involved in this?" You know. Now, the first thing that I think of when I see or hear of a person involved. They are living, for the most part, outside the will of God. In other words, there's no, really, there's no real definite plan of cohesiveness and direction. So as a result, they're just dodging back and forth and they're getting involved in everybody's business. And you know what happens when they do that? They kind of paint themselves in a corner and they try to get out and as a result they begin to strike out at people. 
Because if you live outside the will of God, your life being contrary to the inner voice causes irrational behavior. You begin to you begin to grasp at straws. After a while, it's Brother Manley's fault. It's Brother Grant's fault. It's Blake's fault. He held that prayer meeting too long. He shouldn't have been up here. He, he knows better than that. You follow one and say, it's Brother Eckenrod's fault. You know, he should have had my young people over. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. And, and this is what the, the Lord was saying. And, and, and I think, you know, if, if you want to, to have a life of, 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 of peace, if you want to, to hold your composure, if you want... Is, is you got to find the will of God, and you got to make decisions relative to it, and stay with it. This is the, this is the way it is. Now, <clears throat> notice verse forty-eight. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with many stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him, shall much be required. Now, people who do not know the will of God usually live in a state of confusion. But the, 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 the ultimate in confusion is people who know God's will and doesn't fulfill it. And, and I'm convinced after talking to most people who live in this, this state of confusion, they actually know much more about what God wants of them or is requiring of them than they're, than, than they're willing to live. So it's not really a matter of, I'm trying to find God's will. No, it's not that. I'm trying to alter God's will. Like to change it. So that that there is a point in which gratification is granted to me at the same time I can compliment the cause of God. Now, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So basically, what what the Bible is saying here is that that there is a there is a balance in liberty and there's a balance in responsibilities. That uh, before liberty is granted to an individual, he he should be a responsible person. And how important this is, especially in in the raising of children. Now, all of us have made mistakes. You made some with yours. I made some with mine, and 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 we have others who are raising theirs that are making some mistakes. But you know, we're all trying. We're working together. But the thing that you have to keep in mind that in America, one of the things that is detrimental to children is that they have too many options. <clears throat> Which toy do I play with? It's not a matter of one or two. It's a matter of hundreds. Which toy do I play? What do I do today? You know, it's, it's, it's optional. And you will find that the more options that people have, uh, <clears throat> and they're unsettled. And see, that's what, that goes back to the story of Joshua. Joshua knew that the people, one of the greatest prerogatives of a human being is the power to decide. You don't have to go to church if you don't want to. You don't have to serve God if you don't want to. You don't have to live in this Garden of Eden and, and stay away from that tree if you don't want to. But you have to suffer the consequences of making a bad decision. 
And, and Joshua was saying that you need to you need to once and for all narrow down your options by making some hard, fast decisions today to be a responsible individual. And they said, well, we're going to serve God. The problem with that, Brother Seidel, is that they thought they meant business, and they really didn't. Because it didn't take very long until they had changed their mind on it. And the reason why that... that uh, uh, some people are so productive it's because, you know, they made some hard, fast decisions about their service to God. To God. And so all the way from uh, attending church to prayer meetings to, to giving in the offering to tithing, they made some hard, fast decisions so that, that, that every time this rolls around, they don't have to redecide, rediscover, uh, redirect. But for the most part, what happens is that every time a liberty is granted to an individual, there must be stacked on that a lot of responsibilities. You know the reason why the abortion clinics are full of, of young ladies today wanting to abort? is because they, 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 they exercise a freedom by going to bed with whoever I want to go to bed with. Nobody's business. But they're not willing to bear the responsibility or suffer the consequences of a bad decision. So I'll just abort the baby. Just get rid of the baby. And go jump back in the sack with somebody else. Now that's, that's our present society. See? And, and, and there's, there's one thing that, that we're doing here. And you know there's a, there's a whole lot of... Uh, there, there's a whole lot of legislation now that's coming before Congress. Let me just explain some of this. And national debt is so monumental. And there's, there's some hard, fast decisions about school lunches and welfare and everything. You know, I've looked at this, and, and, and purely from a Christian perspective, you know, you, you really want to do all that you possibly can, but you know what's happening? The truth of the matter is that you can't live on borrowed money, and people are realizing that it's just a matter of time till the whole thing explodes. And so what are we going to do? We're going to have to make some hard, fast decisions to get everybody that will work working. And we don't have a choice in the matter. We literally don't have a choice. Because the federal government, just like, you know, if I make $500 a week and I'm spending 600 and I'm borrowing from every friend I have and every source that I have and I'm taking all my retirement money out and maybe some money that, that was left in a trust fund or something for... Uh, my children's education I was able to get. And I'm taking all this. Guess what happens? After a while, your freedom is taken away from you. And the, the, the amazing thing is that when freedom is taken away, usually responsibilities are. When you go to prison, you don't have a lot of responsibilities in prison. You don't have a lot of liberty. You get up when they tell you to get up. You go to bed when they tell you to go to bed. You eat what they serve you. And that's the way it is. And I think if there's any fault that I could find in the penal system in the states is that that there are too many options for prisoners. Now, would you tell me I've got to go to work? If I don't want to, I won't. And we'll protest. We'll go on a starvation diet, uh, uh, starvation, or fast until. Well, the best thing to do, you know, just let the guy fast until he almost dies. He'll get up. He'll go to work. Just lock the door and forget about him. 
You may say, oh, well, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. In other words, there are certain principles in life that stack up, and you may violate those principles, but you, you come out the loser. Now, there's such a thing as just, just starving yourself. Now, I don't want to sound cold and uncalculated. I'm, I'm getting to something that, that is extremely important. But I, I just think as Americans, you see, we have, we have so many options. Now, I, I, I'm pretty sure I made this statement. You see, the, the, difference, the difference in, in the freedom that we have in the United States and the freedom that we have in Christ is this. Well, first, let me just quote to you a scripture, John 8, 32. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That there is a freedom, but you see, with that freedom comes the responsibility to make not just decisions, but right decisions. See, we think that the freedom given to us in in America is that we can make any decision we want to make, and it's a right decision. And that's not true. With the liberty that's granted to us in our country should be stressed the awesome responsibility of making correct decisions. But see, we got people running all over just making decisions. I remember talking to a preacher one time about something that was unethical. You know what he told me? He said, well, this is America, isn't it? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I don't live where I want to live. I can go where I want to go. I said, there is a vast difference in the freedom that you find in the United States and the freedom that you have in Christ. You see, now let me explain the difference. The freedom granted to you in the United States of America, you have a constitutional right to do what you want to do, as long as it doesn't infringe upon the rights of others. So you make a decision. But you see, the liberty and the freedom that you find in the Spirit is that God makes you free. Now it doesn't set you free. He makes you free. Now there is a setting of free, the release of the soul from the bondage of sin. But basically what we find in Christ is a liberty is granted to us as we walk down life's road. And You can do that. You can do that. I die daily. You know, Paul talks about this in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Ah, my. Verse 9, the Bible says, But it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man receiveth not the things of God for their foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned you know you can take a person you know I I really don't even know how to say this I, I just 
I, you know, as superintendent, I deal with a lot of churches. You know that, and a lot of people. You know, you can take a church that's not praying, and all of a sudden you get concerned about holiness standards, and the preacher stands up behind the church, and he preaches holiness standards. You know what they want to do? They want to string him up someplace on a tree. And I've told preachers, you made one monumental mistake. What's that? I said, you did not lead your people in a dimension in which they can understand the things of the Spirit. And you started laying down all these has, uh, these these uh, fast laws, hard, fast laws for these people. And they did not understand it. Do you think that you could leave here and go to the next door or the nearest and go in and sit down to someone that, that's been watching television now uh, all weekend long that's just filled up to here with soap operas and, 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 and love affairs and, 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 and all this? You think you can go in there and talk to them about holiness? And the things of God? Absolutely not. You bring that same person out of that environment. Put them in a Pentecostal church where people are worshiping God and let the Spirit talk to them. Bring them down to the altar and let them say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you and repent of their sins. You take them in a room in there for counseling and they just eat up everything you tell them. Why? Why is that possible? Because you see, you've just changed their perspective. You've changed their location. They're not making decisions now based upon the protection of the flesh. The flesh says, leave me alone. The flesh says, let me have my own way. This is why I tell people, whether you miss church intentionally or non-intentionally, sometimes it has the same effect on you. You know that? You have to be careful. You can have a situation just takes you out of church, and you know what it'll do? It'll take you out of the frame, the mindset of God. This is the reason why that that that, that you know people people that enter into this relationship with God, they they seem to then understand and see the things of the Spirit. I got involved in quite a conversation with my barber yesterday. So barber was talking about, what do you think about these young people that's piercing their ears all the way up, you know? She said, then they pierce their nose. And she said, she knew, well, one young person pierced their nose because you got to put this apparatus up inside. Your nose is not uh, as easy to keep, you know, clean as your ears. So they got an infection and it rotted a hole in their nose. And she said, one young person I knew, they, they pierced their tongue. And she said, and you know the thing about it is, she said, I'm having a problem because these young people are going to shave their heads way up to here and just let a little hair fall down. Mm. Around looking like apes or something. You know? And there's some people that can never seem to find themselves. They don't feel comfortable with themselves. You know why? Because they're making hard, fast decisions based upon carnal thinking. They're trying to protect themselves. Nobody has a right to tell me how to dress. Nobody has a right to tell me how to look. The last time I preached like this, we had a lady visiting. You know what she did? She went out in the vestibule and she got she blew her stack. She said, There ain't no preacher in the world gonna tell me how to live. Honey, if you come here, I will. <clears throat> praise God, praise God. Why? Because I have a responsibility before Almighty God to do so. And I'm not doing it because I want to be tough. That's not it at all. God loves holiness. 
and righteousness. And it seems strange to me, my friend, that we all want the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And we all want to serve a holy God. And we all want to go to the holy city. But we don't want to have anything to do with holiness. Why? Because we developed an area of thinking that appeases the flesh. Hallelujah. 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 And if nobody gets happy about this, I'm going to get happy. And if nobody talks in tongues about it, I will. Because I know that it's right. I've been in the Master's presence. I have seen life from God's point of view. You can't read all the filthy TV uh, commercials and hear all this. You can't watch all the filthy programming that comes out of Hollywood. You can't look at all the billboards and the bumper stickers and make up your mind what's right or what's wrong. You can't do that. You've got to die out to this flesh. You've got to crucify this flesh. You've got to make hard, fast decisions based upon what's best for the inner man. The man that's starving just as much as the flesh will starve if you don't feed him. This, this inner man that I have will not grow by eating hamburgers and tacos and burritos. It must feast upon the Word of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> Let's just lift our hands. Let's praise the Lord. My, well, I preached long enough, so let's just stand, okay? Oh, God of heaven. Bind us together, Lord. We bind every evil spirit in this place right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind every figment of the imagination of the carnal man and cast it out of this place right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Sandaramoto Sakarama Bahandala Bahata. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory,
just open up the altar and give to you an opportunity to come and pray. If you're a guest of ours and you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, oh, what a great time. <laughs> what a great time for you to come and submit your life to God. Oh, yes, oh, yes. From all over the building, that's it. Let's come. Let's pour our heart out to God. Ah. Uh... 